0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever. Or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.
2: Now, ladies and gentlemen... Here's D.A. All right, and a happy Friday to you, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us. Coming up this hour here on the program in 20 minutes, we've got your football food of the week. It's back. And in 40 minutes, Aaron Rodgers begins his Jets tenure on a Monday night. We'll talk about what he needs to do this upcoming season as the Jets are trying to get back to a Super Bowl for the first time in more than half a century. Last night, you had the Chiefs and the Lions, and Detroit gets the upset victory. 21-20 last night at Arrowhead Stadium, a night where the Super Bowl champs were honored. The Lions came out and made one or two more plays than the Chiefs, and there were some very... Alarming realities, I think, for the Chiefs. Eh, Alarming might be a little bit strong. But the alarming reality, I think, if you walk away and you say, "Uh uh-oh, if you're a Chiefs fan or you're the Kansas City Chiefs internally is without Travis Kelsey, it exposes our receivers and targets for how thin and for how unaccomplished they actually are. That when Kelsey is in there or when Tyree Hill was in there and you only had to have one or two big plays from the other guys because Kelsey and or Hill would do most of the heavy lifting, create most of the chunk plays, you're good. But when neither one is there, and obviously they won a Super Bowl last year without Tyree Hill, it proves that they need somebody who, who wasn't on the field last night to be doing things that they didn't do last night. In other words, Canarius Tony, who could be a big play threat, who was a big play threat coming out of college, and certainly the Giants thought he would be that way as well, can't have a million drops, including the one that leads to the pick six. He's going to have to be better than that. Sky Moore can't go through a game and not have a catch. Marquez Valdez-Gantling has to be more than a two-catch guy. You have to find somebody in this group to be the number one that they really didn't have last night. And Kelsey helps kind of throw camouflage on top of a thin wide receiving core in terms of really legit playmakers. Now, if you have Kelsey in there and you have the rest of those guys playing wide, you soon be okay. I mean, last year in the Super Bowl, Patrick Mahomes, of the offense, put up 38 freaking points. They were just fine, thank you. Kelsey, though, in that game, Super Bowl, six catches, 81 yards, and a touchdown. Then everybody else can fit in. But again, because of free agency, the Chiefs have lost talent at the wide receiver position. They've lost Tyreek Hill. They traded him, but obviously they didn't want to pay him. They lost Sammy Watkins. They lost McCole Hardman. They lost Juju Smith-Schuster. They have lost guys that have gone elsewhere who could all be the target that Mahomes needed last night. So that was the uh uh-oh with the Chiefs. I don't think last night defensively the Chiefs go, oh my God, without Chris Jones, look what happened. The Lions put together two good drives, two touchdown drives. But that was the that was their offense, 14 points. The difference, the seven-point swing there, is the pick six. So I don't think the Chiefs' defense comes out of last night going, oh my God, because also the Lions should have a really good attack this year, and they were fine last night. They were fine. All right, but I think that you come out of last night going, if you're the Chiefs, boy, we've, we've got to have a different set of weapons or options when Kelsey's not in there. Whether Kelsey comes back week two or not, Somebody in this group is going to have to develop and do it soon. That's the first thing. The second thing is, for the Lions, when Dan Campbell is hired and he's crying, or Dan Campbell's talking about biting kneecaps, I'm going, you can't do this in the NFL. You can't. This is a joke. Because there's 17 games every season. If you get to the playoffs and beyond, there's more than that. You'll have massive swings, potentially, of your Super Bowl hopes, of your playoff hopes, and you just, you can't be a joke, you can't be a punchline, and you can't be crying in the middle of a season. I don't care how hard your team fought, you just can't do it. You have to remain even keel. The guys need to take their page, their cues from you. And Campbell is so wired, he's drinking how many shots of espresso a morning, you know, the guy is, he's just, it was too intense. And what happened this offseason? None of that crazy stuff. None of that biting kneecaps. None of those wacky sound bites. Last night after the win, nobody's crying. Nobody's so proud that they can't even believe it. Their heart's going to explode out of their chest cavity. I think Dan Campbell matured. I think he is now seasoned into that role. And I think the team is taking their cues. And I will say this, the whole crying bit and wearing your heart on your sleeve and the biting kneecaps, maybe that's what the Lions needed at that point in time. I just didn't think that was a recipe for long-term success. I did not think you could exist for eight years as a head coach and be crying in week six of a season in year two. But look, maybe those guys needed that then. What they need now is what Campbell has given them. That's a team that believes they're really good. And they are really good. And they proved it last night. And Campbell's tone has changed. Dan Campbell looks like he's in control. Doesn't mean he's not fiery. You know, when they had the turnover nearing the red zone, blew a chance for at least three points. You see Dan Campbell like, how do we blow this? You know, he still has a fire and intensity, but is more of a controlled intensity than what felt very uncontrolled prior. Guys can grow into jobs. They can grow into roles. But where the Lions are right now, they needed the coach to push along that development, that maturity from his own standpoint as well. And he's doing it. And so I give Campbell a lot of credit because he's growing into the, the leader that now is ready for this next chapter of the Lions where everyone knows they're really good and now they have to deal with that. And they responded last night. Look, Dan Campbell ran the fake punt on fourth down from his own 17-yard line early in a game on the first offensive possession that they had. That's massive stones. If they get stuffed short of that first down, you're giving Patrick Mahomes 15 yards to work with to score a touchdown. And now you're trailing and you're chasing all night on the road in a building that is at a fever pitch because of the Super Bowl banner being hung in the pregame ceremony. It's, it's tough. That's that's a tough thing to have to overcome put your defense out there saying defend 15 yards against Patrick Mahomes early in this game. But they got it, and they went down the field. They scored a touchdown on that drive. And it didn't only set a tone, I thought, for the game of, yeah, we need maybe a jolt. Maybe we'll need to, to steal a possession, but I trust you guys to do it. I thought that was a, a important message to send, and they responded I think it set a tone for the season. I think it set a tone for the season, and I'll tell you why. Sometimes when these sexy, trendy, young teams that haven't really accomplished much yet but seem to be ready to explode, they hear this coming into the season, they hear this all offseason, and then there's a little deer in headlights now that they got to do it. And it's really nice. It's a, it's incredible for six months to read, to hear, to see people talk really well about you. If you're a lion, this is not part of your reality. Where the country, national pundits, publications, online, fans not in Detroit are like, yeah, man, this team's good. It's cool to be a lion. You're not used to that. So you could hear that for six months, and then suddenly you wake up and it's a game and it's national TV and it's against the defending Super Bowl champs and you go, "Mm." what Campbell did there to set the tone was we're not going to stop being who we are. We're going to be aggressive. We're going to take chances. I trust you. We're good. Sometimes coaches go the opposite way, and they they send their players, even unintentionally, a message of, we're supposed to be good. Let's not screw that up. Let's not screw that part of it up. We're supposed to be good, so let's just keep playing field position. We'll punt it away. You know what? If we lose 24-20, that's okay. We're on the road. It's Kansas City. These are all learning experiences. What Campbell did was say, we're not subtly going to stop being kind of the, the puncher, which they've been the last two years. We're going to keep punching. We're going to keep being aggressive. We're going to keep being who we are because it got us here, and that's very empowering. That decision on the first possession of your season at Arrowhead on national TV, if that blows up in your face, you know, you you got to wear that. But look, the Lions capitalized on it, and it was a very important seven points. I was very impressed. And also, I just want to wave the banner for Lions fans for a second here. You know, they've been rebuilding since 1959, the curse of Bobby Lane. This is a a franchise where Barry freaking Sanders, one of the greatest players of all time, Enjoyed one playoff win. One. They have been handed garbage coaches, garbage GMs, hot garbage on a platter for a long time. An embarrassment. Barry retired early. Megatron retired early. Stafford had to leave to with anything significant. No playoff win since the early 90s they have been handed slop after slop embarrassment after embarrassment a lot of bags over heads and they show up they showed up at the Silver Dome they show up at Ford Field Sundays in Michigan have always mattered they will always matter no matter how garbage that franchise is given their fans nothing to root for Michigan Sundays matter when you go Lions fans keep showing up and last night, Arrowhead's not an easy ticket. Arrowhead's a really tough ticket on a beautiful, warm Saturday, Thursday night, uh, Thursday night in September, rather, where you get your Super Bowl banner. That's a tough ticket. Lions fans showed up. I mean, how much Honolulu blue did you see in your screen last night? That is usually a sea of red. And your road fans, because I've been in that building many times, your road fans usually get excommunicated to the upper deck in one of the end zone corners in a small sliver and that's where Raiders fans have to sit and Broncos fans have to sit and you know road fans usually have to those are the only tickets that that they have and they're they're pushed up there last night we, we saw Lions fans lower Bowl that's not a cheap ticket that's not a cheap trip now you could have driven from Michigan but you've got to spend money to be in that lower Bowl and they all showed up, and they were rewarded with a win. I mean, that's that's a lot of pride that Lions fans had to go down there and watch their team and get validated like that. That was pretty amazing. You watch the rest of the season, how much road colors you see at Arrowhead in the lower bowl. I guarantee you, you will ever see as much as you saw last night. I guarantee you there will not be another game where you see road colors, lower bowl, 50-yard line. Chiefs fans aren't selling those tickets often. And if they are, it's going to be five times what they paid for it. Lions fans did it. They, They said, we're putting our money where their mouth is. We finally have a team to root for. We're going. I give them a ton of credit. I thought, it's not like every city has a bunch of Lions fans. I lived in Kansas City for five years. I never saw a Lions fan. It wasn't like they came out of the woodwork in Leawood. Oh, yeah, there's a bunch of Lions bars in Kansas City. No. They they traveled from Michigan. I, I was, uh, that was awesome. It's freaking awesome. Guys, as you know, if you've been following the show long enough, a Friday staple throughout football season was the football food of the week, authored by the one and only Meraz. A couple of months ago, the management here at Odyssey Wanted to give Mraz an opportunity to flex his muscles on the local side of things, and obviously that was a big loss for us. Mraz had been with the show on the network side with me for nearly eleven years, and so you, you can't replicate that. You can't try to just, you know, put somebody else into that role and be like, okay, now you're Mraz. And so I've thought long and hard about what we would do for some of the staples in losing Mraz, and obviously we wish him the very, very best and. Want him to succeed thoroughly, but it it left us scrambling a little bit. What what do we do now? And we have not named a full time executive producer yet. So the football food of the week has been tied into his up the gut picks. Without having a full time executive producer, I did not think it was right to pit some type of challenge of picks with somebody because that role should be the full time producer does picks against a villain of the show or contemporary, appear of the show, something like that. It's been He Who Shall Not Be Named. It's been Gelb. It's been Super Dave. It's been a million people. When we name the EP, we will then, at that point, pick up the picks competition when we have a full-time person. But before that, I don't want to do picks competition that ends up in, you know, whereversville. But we cannot eliminate Football Food of the Week. And so coming up here next, we are delivering for the first time ever a very, in my estimation, revolutionary way to kind of try to to pick up where we left off. When we come back, you will hear the voice of Mraz do a football food of the week recipe. But it will not have been recorded by Mraz it will be A.I. Moraz. Cap went into his laboratory, started tinkering with some A.I. programs, and we have created Cyborg Moraz. I thoroughly encourage you to stick through this commercial break to also see what the football food of the week is. It's next, DA, CBS Sports Radio. Puffiness with football. Moraz gives you his NFL picks every week. It's Up the Gut, only on the DA Show. All right, so as you know, Moraz left the show a couple of months ago. We are still searching for his full-time executive producer replacement. But in the meantime, I felt like it was not appropriate to not have Moraz's voice here on the show delivering the football food of the week. And so I took an idea for one of our wonderfully creative Listeners, Kristen and Buffalo. And Kristen was the one who did the, that amazing drawing of all of us that was just top-notch that we posted. And she's an incredibly talented and creative person. And she suggested taking one of the big matchups of the NFL weekend, two signature dishes from the cities and mashing them together for the football food of the week. And I thought that's a really cool idea. She had suggested with the Jets. And the Bills, maybe a beef-on-weck pizza. Beef-on-weck being a Western New York delicacy. And then pizza, of course, being a New York delicacy. I thought that would be kind of a cool idea. So I started looking at the matchups. And I thought, yeah, but Meraz would never come up with beef-on-weck. He's not smart enough to do so. So what would he come up with? Started looking at the matchups. How about Panthers-Falcons? Guys, what signature to Carolina? Barbecue. Exactly. Pulled pork. Signature to Atlanta, peaches. ooh, Peach pie, peach cobbler. So I thought, how about this recipe? Could you combine the two and take Carolina pulled pork and put it in a peach pie? <laughs> mm. And then I said how can we recreate Moraz? And I went back into the Wizard of Watch DA's laboratory. And he said, DA, I might have something. And he went, beep, boop, boop, beep, beep, boop, boop, boop. And this big computer spit out a bunch of numbers and this kind of like long receipt like you would get at Home Goods or something like this. Like a long Walgreens receipt. Beep, boop, boop, beep boop, boop. He pulled a lever. Beep, boop, beep, boop. And he goes, I've got it. What you will now hear is not Meraz actually voicing this script of this recipe. This is a recipe in and of itself created by artificial intelligence. This is the voice created by AI. Again, Moraz did not film, did not record this at all. He has no idea we're doing this. This is a completely computer-generated Moraz football food of the week. Hey, D.A. Lions, I know you're hungry after a long off-season.
4: Are you ready to learn how to make the most delicious and amazing meal ever? We take the Panthers and the Falcons and are making pulled peach. It's Carolina pulled pork on top of Georgia peach pie, and it's going to blow your minds. First, we're going to need to make the pulled pork. In a big old pot, heat some oil over medium heat. Add the pork and cook, stirring occasionally until it's browned on all sides. Then add the onion and garlic and cook until they're softened. Stir in the paprika, cumin, salt, and pepper. Cook for one minute more. Oh, keep the cumin coming. Next, add the apple cider vinegar and chicken broth to the pot. Bring it to a boil, then reduce heat to low and simmer for two, three hours, or until the pork is cooked through and easily shreds with a fork. Oink, oink, big fella. But wait, don't forget to add a pinch of cayenne pepper for a little extra heat. While the pork is cooking, We can start on the peach pie. Preheat the oven to 375 degrees F, 190 degrees C. In a nine inch pie dish, place the pie crust. In a big old bowl, combine the peaches, sugar, cornstarch, cinnamon, and nutmeg. Pour the peach mixture into the pie crust. Dot the top of the pie with the butter. Then take a bite out of the stick of butter for good measure. Once the pork is cooked, shred it with two forks. To assemble the dish, Top the peach pie with the pulled pork. Bake for 45-50 minutes or until the crust is golden brown and the peaches are bubbling. Let the pie cool slightly before serving. And then get ready for the best meal of your life. I'm so excited to share this recipe with you. It's one of my favorites and I know you're going to love it. But be careful. The cayenne pepper can be a little spicy so don't eat too much. You may need a few bathroom runs before Desmond Ritter's second interception. So let's get cooking. Wait, where is Carolina again? Is it in the south or the north? I always get those two mixed up.
2: There is chat GPT Ugh. and there is fat GPT.
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> that is completely AI generated Moraz's football food of the week. Carolina pulled pork on top of peach pie. It is both incredible. And terrifying. I mean, not for nothing, but we might not have to fill the executive producer role. <sighs> I mean, it, yeah. It was not it didn't have the wild swings up and down that Miraz usually had. Didn't have a lot of him stumbling over his words, mm-hmm. rushing through some things. The ooh, yeah,
5: that mm, type of thing. Yeah, the but, orgasmic reaction to ingredients. But did that not sound like Moraz was Doing a recipe? Yeah, I don't I don't like it. I'm sorry. Um, but I am intrigued now by the idea of just hiring an actual radio producer and then maybe hiring just like a Miraz ghost writer, like they can type things in live to FadGPT that they think Miraz would say, so he would just hear Sean's voice saying them again, as
2: if he was here. It was like he was a ghost. I mean, honestly, if you have a loved one that's passed. Just make sure you have a recording of a couple of things that they say and
5: AI can recreate conversations with yeah, these people. It's freaking me out. This is I've known about this now for like twenty two hours and <laughs> I've actually gotten more anxious about his existence than less because that just sounds like a younger Sean. That's almost like that's like sandwich artist Sean. Yeah. A little you know, he's halfway through puberty, hasn't had that you no, know, well, he's had more stuff to kind of <laughs> bring the voice down, give it a little more of a growl. But that was Sean. But it wasn't Sean. But it was Sean. But it wasn't Sean. <laughs> it was so
2: freaky. It's like Hall of Presidents. It's like, is that really Abe Lincoln? Because that, that really, he's his mouth is moving. Yeah. It's like, that could really be. Is that a hologram, Moraz? It's like the Tupac hologram. And Cap also had Moraz in a chef hat on the Twitch
6: and YouTube streams and just the mouth moving.
2: Yeah, he looked like a cyborg with like one
5: eye that looked like the Terminator, and then his chat, his mouth moving to Fat GPT. Yeah. Now we just need to, we need an update or two on Fat GPT because it didn't handle D aliens
3: correctly. No, didn't no.
5: handle Cayenne Ki- N first. The The first time. The
6: second K N was good. The first right. one was K N, and and you're right.
5: <laughs> Hello, hi D aliens. Yeah. D aliens and the, the degrees F and C, not Fahrenheit and Celsius. You would think they would have caught that one? But it'll
2: get better as we do this. So yeah. I'd like to get some feedback from the listeners. How do you feel about Fat GPT? Do you feel this is a good way to do football food of the week where we just take a mashup of two totally distinctly different foods? We have AI create the recipe and then fake Morez, cyborg Meraz deliver the recipe. I like it, but I it might be a... It might be too much to freak people out. I mean, it was nice to hear Mraz's voice back on the air.
5: Yeah, it just—I it, can't—I can't disconnect from the frightening future that's coming. If we can just recreate people's voices, like I don't need to talk to my dad after he's left the planet, like fake dad. Like I, I'm okay with that. I'll save a voicemail or two if I need to hear his voice. Boyle, are you good with Fat GPT delivering the football food
6: of the week? Sure. Absolutely, I I I had a problem with the actual food itself though. So you're gonna eat pulled pork on top of a pie? I'm listening. What's your objection? <laughs> no way that that's gonna taste good. You don't think pulled pork on top of peach pie is? <laughs> nah, th- th- those don't compute to me.
5: I actually think it sounds delicious. Really? Yeah. You're- yeah. Wait, okay. you're not. You're not being facetious. No, I, I, I mean, because at first I thought it was just going to have like peaches in the pulled pork. So the connection of the barbecue and the peach makes a lot of sense. So you're just adding in some extra gooiness and delicious pie crust <laughs> for you're changing texture. Right, so there's no peaches? It's a peach pie. Yeah, yeah, peach pie and then pulled pork on top. I would be shocked if this doesn't exist already. <laughs> really? Yes.
2: Wow. I kind of purposefully made something that I thought everybody would be disgusted by but.
5: not even a little bit <laughs>
2: okay yeah. all right that's a win
5: yeah now I, I mean I had an issue with the recipe it says like you should bake put the put the pie in the oven like raw so to speak with the pulled pork on top and then bake it why wouldn't you just bake them all separately and then just put cut your slice of pie put it on a plate scoop out some pulled pork on top of the pie and away we go it gets I I think that sounds delicious okay
2: now I, people are, are reminding me that They've done this at the Cowboy Stadium. They've created a computer-generated AI Jerry Jones that people can ask questions to. There's like a hologram Jerry Jones. So it's being used. You know, Skipper Tim says, oh my God, this is amazing. This Meraz recipe is brilliant. So at least a couple of votes of people supporting it. You know that's who's going to run the Cowboys.
6: By the way, when Jerry Jones dies, it's going to be AI Jerry Jones still <laughs>
5: making the decisions. Which is great news for everybody else. There's they're going to still gonna, be bad decisions. They're going to put a, bad a Chad, team.
6: They're going to put a chat GPT.
2: What should we do with Dak Prescott? John and PA says, "Come on, Bogues. Mraz for sure would have said FNC instead of Fahrenheit and Celsius. <laughs> if anything, it's more authentic." Hashtag I didn't think of that. Hashtag fat GPT. Hashtag the porkinator. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's a test run. There's nothing we can't do around here. Now that you've armed me and me and Cap's diabolical
5: brains with AI. Now you did say that some of the voices that you guys inputted didn't come out as well, yeah. right? Not not
2: as effective as the Mraz one seem to be really good. Okay. The best one that we've done. All right. Thank God that's the one we need. Exactly. And now if I'm it ever hungry. If it ever gets really good for my voice, there might never be another Friday, summer Friday A. It might just be AIDA railing about modern uniforms. <laughs> That nostalgic. would
5: be amazing if we could just feed in previous hot takes. So th- on that morning, we'd say, what would DA think about this? And it would know and be able to present it. Although I would probably had to put my foot down for that. I'll do updates for real you or real other yeah, fill in hosts, we but can, not, yeah, not fake you. We can do AI bogus updates very easily. No, they will just stop doing updates. That's what they'll do next. <laughs>
2: John and, <laughs> John and Pa circles back and says, "You know what? On second thought, AI Mirage should be called the Baconator." I don't know, <laughs> Fat GPT. Fat GPT is pretty good. Fat GPT, <laughs> the Porkinator or the Baconator. These are now the
5: early Baconator might already be copyrighted by Wendy, so we probably can't use that. Yeah. one. Yeah, mm.
2: but it is a good one. <laughs> by the way, one of our listeners mentioned that. You heard me wrong, says, I see a Fez Bellucci Twitter handle in our future. <laughs> yep, absolutely. There's, if by Monday there's no f- at Fez Bellucci tweeting show takes, I haven't done my job. Vogue <laughs> <laughs> says headlines.
5: Patrick Mahomes had never <laughs> lost week one. He had never thrown a pick in week one. And then the Lions came to town. The
2: tight
3: end is in motion. He looks into the nickel. It's a five-man rush. Mahomes throws a pass. Bobbled, intercepted on the ricochet and pulled down the near side. It's Branch, the rookie. He's down the sideline.
4: 40, 30, 20, 10. He's in for a touchdown.
5: We were excited for Kevin Harlan on TV Sunday for Chargers. Dolphins had him on Westwood one last night for game number one of the new season. That was rookie Brian Branch with the 50-yard pick six shortly after halftime. But only after Kadarius Tony failed to make a relatively easy catch. Tony dropped four throws from Mahomes last night. The last one would have put them close to a go-ahead field goal in the final minutes. But Mahomes... Standing by his man.
6: Stuff's not always going to go your way, obviously. Um, he would have wanted to catch a few of those in the game, but I've trusted he's going to be that guy that I go to in those
5: crucial moments. Mahomes had to rely on Tony and Sky Moore and Justin Watson because Travis Kelsey's knee kept him out last night. Hold out D-Lyman Chris Jones watched the game from a suite with a phone in each hand. Did we find that disrespectful? That he was there? Yeah. I thought it was Odd. I wouldn't say disrespectful. I thought it was odd that he was there. Especially if he told Melissa Stark they haven't spoken in 10 days. If you're holding you're under contract. If you're holding
2: out and you're not honoring your contract, and you still show up to the stadium and sit front and center and look like you're having a good time, I didn't think that was a great look for Chris Jones.
6: I I feel like we have become desensitized to the whole contract holdout situation because multiple of them happen every single year now. And it used to be like a huge, like, I feel like we would be blowing up only like even five, six years ago if a guy was doing this. And it's like, you know, whose fault is this? Is it, is it, is it Chris Jones' fault? Is it the Chiefs' fault? Who needs to reconcile this? So-and-so. The Chiefs are in trouble now. It's just like, oh, yeah, you know, he'll probably be there. And it happens every year. I mean, Bosa literally just, he's going to show up. Three days before their first game.
2: But, I mean, he shows up to the game? It was a weird look for me. It was weird. It was really weird. I don't know. I, did, I didn't think it was a good optic
5: for him. My only takeaway was the two phones, because normally that means one's the main one and one's for your side gig, so to speak. So I was wondering if there was a lady or two or seven who were going to be mad that there were two Chris Jones phones <laughs> right. and which number do I have? His burner phone. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and I think, The part that is a little bothersome to me is he knew by doing that, he was trying to gain leverage. It put him front and center and pitted him against what wasn't on the field. It was like you were watching the Chiefs without him, and then they were cutting to him in the stadium what could be. And I know you're trying to do that for your own leverage, but it felt very selfish to do that when your teammates are playing. You think he's happy they lost? Yeah. You think like low key? I, I don't know if it's happy. It's certainly satisfied. Like low key, he's like, Yeah, we're 0 1.
5: It helps out your it helps out his leverage. It helps out his cause. They've got ten days now before their next game. Probably shame on all of them if they can not figure this out. I know he keeps saying I'm good till week eight because that's when he has to show up to get credit for the season. Right. But this ha- they they the blueprint is there. They've got Aaron Donald's number. They've got Quinny Williams, other guys. Like, they know where the sweet spot for this they is.
2: too. And... Granted, not the same
5: position, right. but... But, like, and also, if it's true that they haven't spoken in 10 days, like, shame on them both now. Like, get... This needs to be done. This needs yeah. to be over. This should have been over already. But I didn't... I didn't have a problem with them being there. It caught me off guard. I didn't think he would be there. But I didn't think it was bad on him to be there because they're going to do things... To gain their leverage to win this battle publicly, so why wouldn't he show up there? I'm surprised they allowed him to be there, though. That's the thing. And what, where was exactly he, like what was that? Does he have a suite in his contract that exists now? Was that somebody else? Like where exactly was he sitting yeah, last night? It's
2: probably somebody else's suite. It's probably a business partner that he has in Kansas City that has a suite, or his agent got him into somebody's suite or something like that. That
6: that's a good question. And but also like if I'm if I'm Chiefs ownership. I'm uh, I'm like on alert if he's showing up, and you know that's got to be communicated with the front office and Andy Reid. Like, hey, this guy doesn't. He's he's yeah, he's under contract. He's not with the team. He's holding out. He's not coming in the building. He's, not, was, he, he's away from the team right
2: now. I would have thrown him out of the stadium. They're upset, but they can't throw him out of the stadium because then it only antagonizes him and and pushes them farther and farther apart and, and makes right. him more angry. So you've got to try to play nice with him, but they're upset because it showed them up on national TV. They lost. He's in the building. Every show is flashing that clip. Now helps out his leverage. I just, I know that you're at war with the organization, but when you are there watching your team play without you, even though you're under contract, it, it underscores a disloyalty to those guys too. And I know that it's, that's not what it is. It's not like he doesn't like his teammates, but it, it feels that way, that you're not going to battle with those guys. They're down there on the field, and you are under contract.
5: I think, though, sometimes we think that exists, and when it doesn't, because most guys understand him trying to get paid. And either that's true. it'll be their fight, or they wish they were good enough to have that kind of fight. Um, also, too, I think Melissa Stark said he was there for the pregame stuff. Like, that's oh, why he wanted to okay. be there. For the Super Bowl stuff, now I don't know if he was on the field in street clothes with his teammates for that kind of stuff. I don't know how long he stayed because I don't think they showed him again after that initial shot or two in the report from start. That
2: would make more sense. I, I I could respect it more than if he's showing up at every home game. Right.
5: Yeah. If he if he keeps coming back, that changes things a little bit. But I I didn't. What it, it did not bother me that he was there last. I, time. It Come.
2: bothered me.
6: I you don't you know the whole thing with Bosa. He held out until again yesterday you don't or today you don't see him it's different when you you know we hear about it we hear all this stuff we don't see it we saw chris jones last night and you saw him in a loss in the home opener and on a third down with the chiefs with one timeout left to go last chance to try to get the ball back and they and detroit runs it right up the middle to where he would have had a chance to stuff that and give patrick mahomes a chance to get the ball back and that was basically the final nail in the coffin last night after, again, you see him in the stadium, I get it. He deserves his money, deserves to get paid just like any other player does, but uh, I that would not sit well with me at all. That would force me, if I'm Chiefs front, uh, front office, that would make me want to get a deal done even less.
5: Although there is an argument that they that Kelsey's absence was more significant than his last night because yeah, they had no, put enough was, defense more, to win that game. It was game. more significant,
6: but Travis Kelsey's on the sideline, you know, fired up cheering all his guys on.
5: Like, mm-hmm. It's not like they, the Lions ran for 250 yards and scored 40 points that he could be sitting there really with a you-know-what-eating grin on his face. like They were okay defensively. They, yeah. yeah, they could have won that game.
6: Yeah, but it, you know, it doesn't matter about this. It matters about the long term. It matters
5: about the playoffs. They need him there in in January. Yeah, he almost got burned because they were fine defensively last night. He could have been sitting there and they could have eh, we just won and we will, were okay.
2: But he will end up getting a raise.
5: Oh, a yes, of course. Uh, What else? Joe Burrow, he got his money from Cincinnati, reported five-year extension. It's a max value of $275 million. The annual average value makes Burrow the highest paid player ever. He is guaranteed 219 mil, about 25 mil more than Justin Herbert got from the Chargers earlier this summer. Baseball last night, the Guardians dropped 6.5 behind the Twins in the Central with a 3-2 loss in Anaheim. And the Diamondbacks, 6-2 winners at Wrigley, while the Marlins were falling at home with the Dodgers' 10-zip. So Arizona now has the last NL wild card, a half game up on Miami and Cincinnati. U.S. men's basketball in Germany about to start their FIBA World Cup semifinal. In fact, it might be underway right now. The winner gets Serbia, who knocked out Canada this morning, 95-86. And Coco Goff beat Carolina Muhova, Muhova, Muhova? move over. What? Um, in straight sets to reach her first U.S. Open final, where she'll meet soon-to-be world number one, Arena Sabalenka. She was one game from a straight set loss to Madison Keys, but rallied to win in three sets. DA, back to you.
2: Thank you very much, Bogues. When we come back on the show, does Aaron Rodgers need to bounce back, quote-unquote? He doesn't think so. DA, CBS Sports Radio.
6: Never be that guy of, oh, you know, I could have made a pro. (laughs) Unless you made it, pro. You didn't make it, bro.
2: It's DA on CBS Sports Radio. Stream the NFL on Westwood One for free. Sponsored by AutoZone. All season long, you can listen to every Westwood One broadcast of the NFL live on the NFL app by asking Alexa to open Westwood One Sports or on the Odyssey app. Get in the zone, AutoZone. AutoZone's free battery testing and charging available for free at your local AutoZone. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Restrictions apply. Aaron Rodgers seemed to be kind of talking out of both sides of his mouth the other day when he admitted that he wants to have a better season than last year, but bristled at the idea that he needed to, quote, bounce back. Now, he says he's working his ass off to be better than he was last year than with the Jets. Roger said, I'm not looking at this like I have to bounce back or do anything. I just have to play the way I know how to play. I've been working my ass off for the last six months to try and put a better product on the field than last year, and I expect to. And I think what this is is just a guy with a a pretty big ego that has been great for a long time, not liking the idea that he was bad last year so that he needs to be good this year to, quote, bounce back. But he's admitting as much that he wants to be better than he was last year. And this has been my concern about the Jets' addition of Aaron Rodgers the entire time. I have been wrong in some regards, although it's still very early. The way that he fought antagonistic friction with the Packers front office still exists within him. Now, he's feeling all the love in New York. He loves Joe Douglas. He loves Robert Sala. He loves Zach Wilson. He loves everybody because they gave him all the things, the love that he wasn't getting in, in Green Bay. But still within him resides a person that feels embittered or whatever and is willing to go into no talky zones and you can't get a hold of me and I don't like you and I'll tell you how to do your job. That is still part of him, which I don't like. And I don't think you could escape if you're the Jets, but he has said all the right things. But I think one thing that is completely ignored is that every time the Packers had a good team with Aaron Rodgers over the last four years and had a chance to advance in the playoffs or make the playoffs, he stunk. He was garbage 2019 NFC Championship game in San Francisco, garbage 2020 NFC Championship game at home against the Buccaneers, garbage 2021 NFC Divisional round against the 49ers, Garbage last year, final game of the season against the the Lions. Three of those four were at home at Lambeau. Those are elimination games, playoff games, chances at the Super Bowl, and he stunk each one of them. So does he come to New York and does he help rectify the quarterback position? Sure. He can't be worse than what the Jets had last year. He'll be markedly better. But the idea that Aaron Rodgers gets you to a Super Bowl, well, he hasn't been able to take really good teams there the last four years in Green Bay. And he was part of the problem, if not the biggest problem in all of those games. You know, Rodgers can bristle at the notion that he needs to bounce back, but bouncing back would be not, oh, he, he threw for 36 touchdowns, only seven interceptions this year. The bounce back would be week 18 winning into the playoffs and you've got to be good. You've got to be good. And then when you get to the playoffs and you play the Bills in the wild card round or the Chiefs or whatever, you have got to be the best guy on the field for your team. And I don't trust him
1: to be that. I got too much evidence he isn't that anymore. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
3: We'll